0: This is the St. Long Chinus' Baptism Podcast channel. This is Random Thoughts number 12. What is the heresy of Americanism? So, this is kind of aimed toward the Vatican II sect members who probably have never heard of the heresy of Americanism, which was one of the one of the heresies that went into the Vatican II Council. But it's not just aimed at the Vatican II people, it's also aimed at Sed Vacantes. Um I have noticed that once again the problem you know that I spoke of in one of my last episodes about them putting their uh, priests and prelates on a pedestal and making them sacrosanct that means above question you know nobody can question them is also along the lines of uh Is along the lines of um, Americanism. To put it, to put it as uh, easily as I can, the heresy of Americanism. Let me back up just a scooch. In Catholic dogma, nothing. Goes over you. You can't hold a, a object or a a being over the 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 Catholic Church. Now, when I say Catholic Church, I'm talking pre-Vatican II, and Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Kingdom, and so. One of the heresies of Americanism was that. I'll, uh, first, let me give a a quick summary. The um, I don't remember the name of the name of the encyclical that Leo XIII put out in 1899, addressing the heresy of Americanism. What I'll do is Is I will put The name of the encyclical In the show notes But it was written in uh, 1899 And it was addressed to the American prelates And What was going on The reason why he did this Is that a lot of the American prelates And And Honestly, a certain segment of Catholics in America at that time were so grateful that they had been allowed to practice Catholicism without getting repressed that they were over willing to look the heresies that undergird the American system of, of government. I will talk about that in a little bit but I just wanted to give you the historical context and I think I stated this in my last episode it rarely gets talked about in Sattivacontus circles and as I explained in my other episode why I don't no longer have a Twitter account. Um my my original post was saying that the heresy of Americanism was not really covered between eighteen ninety nine and nineteen sixty. Okay? I'm not saying it wasn't written about but what I am saying is is that I have not run into any American publications between the years 1899 and 1960 that, that decry the heresy of Americanism. And what I put in my original post was, was that as far as I know, it hadn't been covered, and that made a lot of Set of a They chose to, to turn it around that I was somehow criticizing a certain prelate, in the Set of a contest community when I wasn't. I'd use that prelate as an example of how when he was giving a conference in Hungary back in 2016 he mentioned the the Masonic uh, roots of the French Revolution and did not mention that without the American Masonic roots of the American Revolution the French Revolution would have never have happened. Anybody who studies Masonry can make the connection. But they were trying to say that I was implying that he never said that. And when I realized that the, you know, I pointed out to them that if they read the whole, the whole original post, I put it at in all caps as far as I know. And when I realized that you know, they, they they were just looking to, to slam me and weren't going to listen to reason. That's when I decided that um, I don't need false allies online. So I decided to get off Twitter. The set of contests on Twitter, not all of them, but there's a segment of them, are no better than their secular counterparts. Now... When Pope Leo Thirteenth talked about the heirs of Americanism, he, when he wrote this encyclical, he was basically taking encyclicals from other popes that had decried liberalism and turned that, when he wrote the encyclical, he was um, he was basically taking the heirs of liberalism which the American constitution was based on and applying them to because the other popes had written encyclicals against liberalism but they were more or less doing it from the European context what Pope Leo XIII did in his encyclical was he put it in the American context and a lot of American prelates were guilty of this But this is not, you know, this episode is not about all that. I just want to go over the Freemasonic origins of the American government and the American Revolution because as certain set of accountants have put Priests and bishops on, on on a pedestal where they're sacrosanct and cannot be questioned. They've done the same thing to the American government. Um, I remember specifically on Twitter when I publicly stated that I don't consider I'm, I'm a, a American citizen by birth, but I'm God's citizen first. That it rubs some people the wrong way, or it appeared to. So, um, without getting too deep in the theological weeds, the dogma of Catholicism is is that if you happen to live in a secular society, which most I'd say all governments um, outside of uh, Islamic governments are more or less secular. And I liken this scenario to the situations of the first uh, Catholics in Rome in the time of um, the emperors. The Roman, the Roman society that was around them was completely pagan. And they were following Jesus's maxim. Give, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, pay your taxes. If they give you a lawful order, follow it. But if they ask you to do anything that goes against the teachings of Jesus even if it costs you your life, you are to refuse. And I liken that situation to today. As a matter of fact, like I said, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds. Uh, During the Roman persecutions, there was a dispute because some of the Catholics who were getting persecuted. Basically, what the Roman emperors did, well, not just the Roman emperors, it depended on the governors. Some governors enforced the edict, others didn't. But basically, uh, Catholics were given a choice. Burn incense before a statue of the Caesar or we're going to kill you. We're going to torture you and we're going to kill you. And some of them did. And what the what the um what the dispute was about was some of the catholics who had refused to do this edict and went into hiding and maintained their catholicism were upset at the laxity Or what they consider to be, not laxity, not laxity, uh, leniency. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The leniency of some of the bishops who are allowing these, dare I call them, idolaters back into the church. Now, the Catholic, uh, also part of Catholic dogma is moderation. You don't want extremes. So perhaps my characterization of the people who burned incense before the statue of the emperors or their pagan gods is a bit harsh. On the same token though, I can understand why the hardcore party got upset that and it depended on the bishop, because you gotta remember in the first century of, of the Catholic Church, um The the, the local diocesan bishop was the law, you know. Um, And that was due to circumstances, you know. (laughs) You don't have cars, you don't have faxes, telephones, cell phones, none of that stuff. So, just by the very fact, that it would take you weeks to get to Rome or a message from the Pope to get to, say, Alexandria, Egypt or um, Damascus, Syria, you know, it took months. So by by the very fact, the, the local bishop, diocesan bishop, was the law. And like anything else, it's decentralized. You might have a diocesan bishop in in Damascus who's rather lenient and he's like, well, yeah, they burned the incense, but they're repenting and we'll we'll have them recant their error and they'll they'll have to do penance and they're good. Whereas maybe in um, the North African city of Hippo, the diocesan bishop might be a little more hardcore and say, um, well, they're going to have to do 10 years of penance to to make up for this. Then we'll accept them back in. It just depended on the local bishop. The reason I'm bringing this up is, is we're, we're going into those times. You know, we're going into those times. Except... if 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 my suspicion of what's going down goes down, the Roman emperors, given their time and place, could not stamp out all the Christian communities, and it was pretty much up to their governors what happened. Um, I genuinely believe that the great reset is going to be the new the Great Tribulation, which is going to make the pagan Roman persecutions look like a walk in the park. And given the nature of totalitarian regimes, they allow no dissent. You know, the Freemasons, the Freemasons who are controlling uh, uh, the world society, they they do not want anybody worshipping anything other than themselves and their system and they're not gonna just allow anybody any kind of freedom of thought in that regard. The reason I bring this up is that people don't understand. They, well, they can't understand the nature of what they're facing, at least as Americans. Because like I said, I'm speaking from an American context. Um, they do not under if they don't understand the Masonic nature of the the, the Masonic nature of the American government, how it was formed by Masons and is based on Masonic principles, then when the when the Great Tribulation comes, they're not going to know how to deal with it. You have to know the nature of your enemy in order to, to have some sort of idea of how you're going to react. Even if you want to remain peaceful, you have to know the, the nature of your enemy. As I said in one of my earlier spiritual uh, warfare um, episodes, if you don't understand the nature of God and the devil, then you're not going to know, uh, unless God gives you a special grace, you're not going to know how to deal with that. But anyway, so, sorry guys, I know that's disgusting. So, I want to go over the linchpin of what is known as the Bill of Rights, which is the first 10 amendments of the American Constitution. The linchpin is the First Amendment, which gives you "quote unquote." Um, I had this written down. I don't know what. Okay, here we go: freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of religion, and freedom of assembly. I'm going to try to take these apart as quickly as I can because I've got a lot of ground to cover and I want to try to keep this to under an hour. Freedom of speech. There is no such thing as freedom of speech. Now, what a lot of secularists tried to do um, after the Protestant revolt was somehow or uh, try to paint when... The Roman Catholic Church was holding Europe together under the title of Christendom. was say, "Oh, it's terrible! The 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 peasants didn't have freedom of speech. The townspeople didn't have freedom of speech. If if they said anything against the church or or their their duke or their lord, they could be executed." Which is a misrepresentation of the society. Uh, of the uh, situation. Now, as far as Catholicism goes, there is no freedom of speech when it comes to religion. You know, if if you're Martin Luther, and everybody else is Catholic, but you're saying, "Nah, screw the Pope. He can go pound sand, and I'm going to form my own religion." Because if you take your religion seriously and you're a Catholic, you can't have competing competing theologies around you if you believe that Catholicism is the true route to God. That's just a, not only a matter of principle, it's a matter of common freaking sense. As far as the freedom of speech goes against the, the whatever lord or baron or whatever was controlling your area if your lord or whoever the leader was wherever you're living was unjust you could go and petition the local bishop this is why Catholicism and the leadership of whatever government you have being interlinked is important and i will get to the um, the uh, hypocrisies of freedom of speech in a minute but i just want to point out that um because everyone was catholic even the local liege lords, baron, whatever, was was answerable to the bishop, the local bishop. And so a peasant could petition his bishop, hey, can you talk to the liege lord? He, our taxes are too high. His men are uh, grabbing up random girls and using them for whatever purposes they're using them for. You know, and because... Catholicism In Christendom Was so strong That if the bishop went to the liege lord And said look I'm going to give you a choice Quit these abuses Or I'm going to excommunicate your butt That had weight That had weight Even if the liege lord or whatever Was a, a, a total Atheist A-hole He couldn't, he couldn't proclaim it he could say, "Hey, I'm atheist. Screw the Catholic Church," because then the Pope says, "Well, okay, uh, to the surrounding Catholic uh, uh, princes and lords, you can go depose this this guy and um, you know take his wealth and his lands amongst yourselves." So even if he was a complete atheist, he couldn't say it. And quite frankly, you know, if you've been on the Internet long enough, wouldn't you, if you've ever dealt with an evangelical atheist online, don't you wish, maybe you don't care. My attitude was, okay, you're atheist, so what? Keep it to yourself. I don't care. It keeps people from being obnoxious A-holes. Now, as far as the hypocrisy of freedom of speech goes, there is no there is no absolute freedom of speech. If I go up to a muscle bound 6'3 um 230 pound muscle man and I say Hey buddy, your girlfriend's hot Can I sleep with her? He's going to pound me into mush And deservedly so, I might add If you You know There have been people arrested For saying anti-American government things There are limits of speech Like I said, this is just Anybody with a modicum of common sense can figure that out. Freedom of the press. Now, in this regard, I would actually argue that uh, because people think of the press as around the 1700s when people would put out broadsheets. Broadsheets existed long before the 1700s. As soon as the printing press was invented, people were putting out broadsheets. And for those of you who don't know, a broadsheet was, was your prototypical newspaper where some guy, if he had a printing press, could print the news of the day or whatever and hand it out to people or sell it as he chose to. Now, in Catholic countries, if you're, if you're uh, printing atheist material or Protestant material, yeah, you were going to get shut down. But look at the history of the press, and I'm talking from the American context, from the founding of, of the United States of America. There were The first two parties, political parties of America, were the Anti-Federalists and the Federalists. And guess what? They... They weren't free in the sense that these were individual people printing their own ideas. These were two political parties with their own press basically taking potshots at each other. Doesn't that sound kind of familiar? Hello, Fox News. Hello, CNN. And if you printed... Anything that went against the United States government, I invite you to look. Uh, Google the uh, Supreme Court case Marbury Marbury versus Madison. You could get shut down. Lincoln during the Civil War shut his uh, his opponents' newspapers down. So no, there is no freedom of the press. You know, one of Murphy's laws is whoever has the gold makes the rules. So, just switch the gold to power. Whoever has the power makes the rules. And that's that's basically what our Masonic government is based on, power. It's not based on liberal principles. It's not based on freedom. It's based on I want power for me and my people and I want to make sure that everyone does what I want them to do. Religion. Now, I kind of covered this. I kind of covered this in... Um... The one, uh, I think it was freedom of speech but uh, freedom of religion Christendom lasted for over 500 years bare minimum over 500 years and the reason why it lasted as a single entity was because the leaders the kings of countries the princes of providence's the liege lords of counties were all were all subject to the Catholic Church. If they did something that went against you know church teachings or if they were abusing their 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 subjects, they were subject to the local religious authorities. Okay? And most people, now if you read Catholic history, there, there were rebellious people who did were heretics. But these guys were the outliers. They were not the norm. And, you know, this is the hypocrisy of the Protestant revolt. Martin Luther revolted from the Catholic Church so that he could be pope of his little territory in Germany. Henry VIII did the same thing and John Calvin did the same thing in Switzerland. Now, some of of the people that are familiar with history are going to say, well, yeah, but in America there was no state religion. Well, that is true insofar as the masons within the american government and this is verifiable on the internet were striving to replace belief in god with a a faith in their country i mean if you look at the lincoln monument the washington monument you know the various statues and stuff these These are actually almost religious in tone, if you can spot it. But I stated this in an earlier episode. Uh, When universal education was introduced in America in the early 1800s, one of the founders of this said, he, he not only said it, it was in one of his books, that the... The um, goal of the educational system was to make good American citizens, meaning citizens who would follow their leaders unquestioningly and obediently, without question. This goes against Catholic dogma to the max. The only person, if you're Catholic, and I'm not talking the Vatican Vatican II sect, if you're Catholic, the only people you're supposed to follow unquestioningly and obediently in matters of doctrine and morals are your your bishops, because we don't have a pope right now. Now, does this make our bishops sacrosanct? Um, uh, no. Now, if they... If they are speaking on matters of... Morals and, um... Doctrine... Yeah, then then they, they are... Um, I'm not a canon lawyer, but... Pretty sure you're not supposed to go against that. But, if you make... A observation that, gee, the American hierarchy hasn't really covered the heresy of Americanism From 1899 to 1960 And the Sedevacontist movement really doesn't talk about it That's not, you know, you're not questioning doctrine As a matter of fact That's actually, you're actually asking, hey, this is an encyclical written by a pope. Why aren't we talking about this? Because I noticed my fellow Catholics, said the contest, are not, you know, they, they seem to be unaware about this. So, the the cornerstone, the First Amendment, Freedom of speech, press, religion, and assembly. Oh, that's the last thing I wanted to get to. There is no freedom of assembly. Read through American history. Anytime, even when people peacefully gathered together, they, you know, if if they were running afoul of the government Masonic authorities, i.e. January 6th, they, they were tossed in prison or they were beaten within an inch of their lives. Okay? Once again, the basis to the American government is not freedom, you know, not, not, not toleration, but power. And because it was founded for Mason, or I'm sorry, by Masons, for Masons, um, you know, people... One of the things that used to, and at the time I I really hadn't made the connection about masonry, was when right-wing YouTubers would talk about the hypocrisy of their governments. And you could, you know, and it's like, well, you know, at the end of the day, you have human beings running your government, so yeah, they're going to play favorites. You know why you're surprised by this? I don't know. Histories replete with governments that played favorites. So, oh, and by the way, as far as January sixth goes in my area, I think I mentioned this. Two families were. Arrested for being at the, the January 6th protests against the stolen election. Now, this, I'm old enough to remember how when the government went after a particular group, they made sure that it was televised everywhere. They made sure that everyone knew, oh, we, we think these guys are a bunch of terrorists. We're taking them out. This, these two families, the only way I knew about it was because where I was working, they got the local paper. And the article wasn't blasted all over the front page. It was like on page 3C in a tiny little column such and such families got arrested for being a January 6th. So, but, okay, so those are, like I said, of the first 10 amendments to the American Constitution, the first is the cornerstone. The first is the cornerstone. And the the five freedoms uh, enumerated in the First Amendment, freedom of speech, press, religion, and assembly, I'm sorry, that's four. <laughs> Learned to count. Um these are Masonic These are Masonic um how do I put this? Masonic uh, principles, principles. Okay. Now, if you read about the history of the Masonic movement, it it came public in England in the early seventeen hundreds, but there there were secret societies. Before the Masons went public. And they formed the basis of the Masons. But they existed long before the 1700s. And the reason I'm bringing up these Masonic principles. Is because. I'm going to name. Or I'm going to list this book also. In my show notes. In the Grand Orient Freemasonry and Mass. They um, Somehow Somebody got a copy Of a letter Or a general Instruction to the Masons Where it outlined their principles And every Principle that I just lifted Or I'm sorry I just lifted Listed Was on the Masonic principles And that's another thing too you know Americans Americans are just um blindly and unquestionably supportive of this government, which has done nothing but treat them like dirt. And I remember And by the way I'm I'm not saying Barack Obama Isn't probably Masonic himself But I'll never forget How the Normie cons Reacted When he said America Was not a, A Christian nation And People were Losing their wigs At the time I I Didn't have a dog In that fight I Um my attitude was was It couldn't be a Christian government Or a Christian nation Given the way people act But That's neither here nor there You know who originally Said America Is not a Christian nation Hold on to your hats People, it was George Washington And wait till I Get to the part about a partial list of the Founding Fathers. By the way, I'm going to give you one website that I got some of this information. If you look up the American Founders and Masonry, there are articles, pages of articles on this. You may be surprised. So... Oh okay. So yeah, so so the heresy of americanism. Basically and 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 when Pope Leo XIII wrote this encyclical I'm not really sure if he understood the masonic influences in the American government. He might have, but he definitely knew that the basis of American government Was Freemasonic, Which You know uh, Basically got called Liberalism And just a quick note As far as liberalism goes it, It's a shortened It's a shortened term For libertarianism Talk to any libertarian Talk to your ears off About this Basically, they they wholeheartedly they wholeheartedly support the U.S. of uh, the Bill of Rights. They wholeheartedly do it, and their only beef with the liberal principles of the United States government is that they feel that it's been abused, which it has. But as I said earlier in an earlier episode, it was meant to fail. You know, it was meant to fail from the get-go. But um, they're they're so tied up in their political views that they can't see the forest for the trees. So, here's a partial list of the American founders who were Freemasonic. And... Just as an interesting note, nine out of 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were Masons. They were Masonic. When I saw that, I just had to put that quote out there. I couldn't find any information about how many of the signers of the Constitution were Masonic. But uh, here's here's a partial list of the... um, Founders who were masons. And I got this information on freemasoninformation.com. I'll list this website. but like I said, all you have to do is ask a search engine uh, about the um, which of the founders were Freemason, and will you will get a couple pages worth of information. So here's the partial list. And some of these are going to be obscure. Others are going to be glaring. William Ellery, Benjamin Franklin, John Hancock, Joseph Howe, William Hooper, Robert Payne, Richard Stockton, George Walton, William Whipple, George Washington. Paul Revere and the first Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, John Marshall. Okay? Now, <laughs> I, I'm not claiming to to, to, to have a, a 300 IQ, to be a Rhodes Scholar, or none of that. A lot of the information I'm giving you is from the few books that I can get on Freemasonry that aren't written by actual Freemasons. Oh, and by the way, FreemasonInformation.com, um, they appear to be uh, information arm of the Freemason movement. <laughs> as, as near as I can tell, they are not uh, critical to Freemasonry at all. As a matter of fact I I gave their website a quick glance And they appear quite proud Of their Freemasonry Which, you know, if you're a Freemason And you think that Everything you're doing is not a bad thing Why would you Why would you be ashamed if you think You're doing a good thing I'm not ashamed to be a set of A contest Catholic So, you know I'm loud and proud why should the Freemasons be any different? <sighs> so, as I said, in the show notes, I'm going to put Pope Leo XIII's encyclical against the heresy of Americanism. And if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm almost certain I am, um, the English translation is The Heresy of Americanism I could be wrong And unfortunately Well, we'll see But the way it's looking I'm going to May have to go slightly over an hour We'll see um, And as I said earlier And the source I got this from and I was in the uh, Vatican II sect at the time with some uh, unorthodox um, Catholic you know it wasn't from a quote unquote traditionalist Catholic it was from an unorthodox because that's another thing too I'm never going to get tired of saying this when you're talking about Catholic theology there is no liberal wing and there is no conservative wing those are Masonic political labels. You're either Orthodox or you're unorthodox. You're either Catholic or you're not. And it makes, it absolutely sets my teeth on edge when I hear said of contest, clergy and priests use the word liberal and conservative. I've done a, uh, some reading and as far as I'm aware or, or at least the... The material that I've read prior to Vatican II does not refer to liberal and conservative Catholics in the theological sense now I have read Catholic um uh books that when it comes to political stances they they say liberal and conservative but not to theologically no but anyway um Some unorthodox Vatican II type, uh, by the way, if you're Vatican II, you're all unorthodox. I don't care. But anyway, pointed out that one of the heresies of the Vatican II Council was Americanism. And they were basically using it as a cudgel for anybody, uh, any Vatican II sect member who was to the right of Mao Zedong. And for those of you who don't know, Mao Zedong was the first dictator of communist China. And he was pretty brutal. Anyhow, so the second part of this. um, The the only reason I'm putting this out there is I, I actually put this on my Twitter feed. And nobody, absolutely nobody commented on it. And given, given my numbers, I, it, it'll probably sit vacant here, too, unless God wills it. Freemasonry was legalized in the 1983 Code of Canon Law. Freemasonry and, and membership in other secret societies was actually legalized in the Vatican II, 1983 Code of Canon Law. The question I asked on my Twitter feed was, If the 1983 Code of Canon Law legalized Freemasonry and uh, membership in secret societies and by the way, uh, the person I'm going to list calls himself a traditionalist Catholic and he recognizes Vatican II as a legitimate council And the popes from Vatican II is legitimate popes. The guy's name is John Salza. He is a lawyer. He's not a theologian. He's not a canon lawyer. He is a regular American lawyer. Now, he's famous in traditional circles, because he's put out several YouTube videos proclaiming that he left the uh, The I'm sorry the uh, Freemasonic or I'm sorry Freemasonry, that he was once a Freemason and he left it and he basically decries Freemasonry. Now try to follow me here uh, people, some of you slower types. If the 1983 code of canon law legalized membership in Freemasonry, oh, that's another thing I should point out too. When he came out against Freemasonry, it wasn't that he said, well, I don't agree with, you know, the political principles of Freemasonry, blah, blah, blah. He literally said that no Catholic should be a part of Freemasonry. Which was the the stance of the Catholic Church prior to Vatican II. But remember what I said. He recognizes Vatican II is legitimate. And their Pope's is legitimate. So if they made it legal to be Freemasons, why is he speaking out against it? Why is he denouncing it? And... I probably did not make this argument well enough. When I make this argument, I'm saying he was arguing against it for religious reasons. Okay? The Code of Canon law has to do with the laws of the church. So as far as Vatican II goes, you could be the highest Freemason that you can, and they don't have an issue with it. But he was arguing against it on religious grounds That would be If I were a 1930s American layman And I was prominent And I was arguing against Pope Leo XIII's encyclical Saying that Americanism was a heresy It is kind of the same thing some people are going to try to nitpick and say, well, one's legal, the other one's isn't. That doesn't matter. If you recognize Vatican II and Vatican II says, we, we find no religious reason to be against Freemasonry and you're making religious arguments against it, the bottom line is, is you're saying that your magisterium is wrong. Which any great school Catholic, even Vatican II sect, will tell you is at best an error, at worst, a revolt against your hierarchy. Because you're contradicting your own hierarchy. And I'm going to list the, um... The the part about John Salza. um... It's, he's got YouTube videos where he's denouncing it. I think Norvis Ordo Watch also uh, did some uh, uh, took some of his videos and basically took it apart. So um, the, the first part was taken about uh, Vatican II legalizing the, the Vatican II Code of Canon Law of 1983 legalizing masonry was in the book What Happened to the Catholic Church by Fathers Francisco and Dominic Ridecchi, their brothers, of the CMRI. I'm gonna list this book in my show notes as well. But the the videos where John Salza is, is denouncing Freemasonry. Alright, like I said, are on YouTube. And because Salsa is pretty popular in quote unquote neo traditionalist circles, I'm sure that there are plenty of neo traditionalist websites that have his videos as well. So, once again, and I. Thinking about it now, I can honestly say that I forgot my driving principle when I when I started my Twitter account. And actually, I think I forgot my founding principle about a couple of months after I started this podcast, which is, my job is to inform, not convince, and perhaps I need to put it, put a big poster on my wall so I never forget that. You know, one of my, one of my regular listeners, my only listener, a uh, regular listener, told me. He said, "You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink." It's the same principle. And by the way, the 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 quote: "My job is to inform, not convince." Was St. Bernadette I can't pronounce her last name it starts with an S But she was the peasant girl That the Mother Mary uh, Came to at Lourdes That told, you know uh, Told her about the, uh, the fountain The healing fountain at Lourdes So Anyway guys It's been almost an hour. Ah, you didn't have to listen. I do appreciate it. And I especially appreciate if you listen to this whole thing, giving me an hour of your time. I hope you get something out of this. I do. And I'd like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. I'm praying for everyone who's in my life, either directly or indirectly, thank you for listening. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye.